This is a podcast by The Straits Times. They've got their fourth. That's a lovely finish from Aguero. And now it's certainly game set and match for Malaysia. Another AFF Championship, another group stage exit for the Lions. That's four in the last five for Singapore. A slump that grows more and more worrying with every passing failure. It was not too long ago we were joint record regional champions with four titles. But that last triumph in 2012 seems so far away now. So where do the Lions go from here? What went wrong with their campaign? Should coach Takayuki Nishigaya stay or go? And what about naturalising foreign-born players? Join me, Sazali Abdulaziz, and ST football writers David Lee and Deepan Raj Ganesan as we discuss these points and more on this episode of ST Sports Talk. Welcome, Deepan. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Sas. Hi, guys. Okay, so off the bat, what went wrong for the Lions at this ME Cup? Uh, Deeps, maybe you, you look like you have something to say immediately. Uh, I think it's a case of what went right for the Lions, you know, uh, which is not much. I think you look across the, the results at this tournament, none of them were satisfactory in my opinion, especially when you put context into it. I think people will point at uh, the game against Vietnam to say that it was a heroic draw. But again, the context of Vietnam fielding the second stringers, I think it was just not a satisfactory result. Uh, and none of the performances were great in my opinion. Uh, I, I know we went into this tournament not expecting much because I think uh, people expected Malaysia and Vietnam to progress from this group, but performances were really not up to scratch at all. Dave? Yeah, on the face of it, it's just that last match, right? The 4-1 Causeway Derby defeat by Malaysia. But the problems, I feel, run deeper as Singapore also struggled in the preceding matches. You know, like Deeper mentioned, they beat Myanmar and Laos and helped Vietnam. I feel fighting spirit can mask the team's deficiencies in one-off matches, but not a whole campaign and, and certainly not for the long run. Um, I feel we clearly don't have depth. For example, once Iksan and Ilhan Fandi were injured, we have no target men. None of our central defenders are centre-backs by trade. And there's no more midfield general once Harris Harun was pulled back into defence. So, I mean, you guys covered the tournament, uh, you know, for ST. What was most disappointing? It seemed to be a case where this tournament sort of highlighted everything that's bad about Singapore football. Everything from the fact of, you know, that, that we were the oldest team, uh, a lack of, uh, you know, progress at youth development level perhaps or over the last decade. And even... Facilities, you know, we talk about Jalan Besar being the cause of, as David mentioned, the injuries that hampered us before the tournament began. So, you know, for you guys, what was the most uh, disappointing aspect about this group stage exit? You know, you know, Sars, you talk about this age being a factor. I mean, I think David has mentioned it uh, a few times, which is, you know, there are 13 players in this squad uh, who are age 30 and above. But the thing is that this shows that there are a lot of players who are at their peak age or supposed to be at their peak age in terms of performance. But we didn't quite see that. And I think it always goes back to the coaching side of things. I think a coach is employed to bring out the best in his players. I think if you look at the squad, this is the best group of players that you can select from Singapore football. I don't think there are many other players in the Singapore Premier League, you know, who you could have said, you know, deserve a chance over whoever got into the squad. So it goes back to the coach and was he able to bring out the best in his players? I don't quite think so. And if you compare him to the rest of the coaches in this tournament, he doesn't stack up. So if you employ someone who's not going to bring out the best in you, doesn't have the best tactics, I think the results is going to show, performance is going to show, and that's what we saw at this tournament. Uh, I think I'll address that point later on in the later part of the show. But um, for your question, I shall take a more philosophical line here and, and say that the most disappointing thing about Singapore exit would be if nothing gets done, 
and if we get used to this slump going forward lah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. because you know, I think out of the past five or six, there was only one semi-final qualification. Yeah, many fans cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel because other than the Fundy boys, there are very few emerging young footballers who you can say have the skills or the size to leave Singapore football at the moment. So, since you you point the future out, you know what is next for them. You know, uh, Deepen seems to suggest. Nishigaya is not the, the right man going forward. I personally, to that point, you know, segue a bit, but I personally think we missed the trick not getting Nazri in. You know, he may not be, you know, the the, the best uh, performing coach at the SPL level with the Young Lions, but he has a sterling international A record, uh, you know, with, with as a stand-in coach. Um, you know, he beat Malaysia, he beat uh, Oman. Um, you know, so he might have been a, a decent choice. Uh, but yeah, so Nishigaya in or out, you know, maybe sack the entire squad like 2010, you know, revamp the entire squad. Uh, do you see something drastic happening like that, Dave? No, I, I don't think that's practical. I don't envy Nishigaya's position now. I think he's trying his best with a limited squad. I know Deepan said the team are at their peak. But, you know, back to 2010 where you say sack all the players... We know what happened then. The players were ultimately recalled, right? Yeah, most of them. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think we just need to get through this purgatory and, and hope things don't get too ugly as the authorities are hopefully doing things behind the scenes to arrest the slide. And this includes finding the solutions through youth development and naturalization. I, I know Deepan disagrees with me and, and this is not an exact science, but I feel the coach should be the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle which unfortunately we are missing quite a few pieces uh, at the moment. I fully agree Nishigaya's CV is underwhelming, but winning coaches are a rarity, m- more so those who want to join a national team where resources are limited. Okay, let, let's take Kim Pangon for example. Uh, he's now hailed as a hero in Malaysia, right? A- and preachers attacking football now. But he was also heavily criticised when he was with Hong Kong for his conservative approach. So a top coach at the moment, I feel, can do no more than what Deepan just said, you know, lift the fighting spirit for a while before things unravel again because he just lacks quality material to work with. Well, which I guess I agree with. But having said that, I, I stand by my point about Nazri. Lah. You know, you don't need a foreign coach lah, in that sense. You know what I mean? You, you have a guy who did the job a couple of times, you know, when standing in. Why not go just go for him? He's a former yeah, national enough. skipper. Yeah. You know, he can get the players playing for him. Uh, and to your to your point about the 2010 squad, eventually three quarters of them being recalled back. First of all, it was still a, a champion coach in Radi. And secondly, it was still basically a champion team, you know, where, where players had won previous titles. Lah, whereas Sorry, just a, a point about Kim Pangon. Uh, I mean, uh, David correctly said, you know, when he was in charge at uh, Hong Kong conservative style, uh, but that was the best fit style for that particular team. I don't think people will argue about Singapore having conservative style if it drew results and performance to match. But we did not have that. So it's not so much that Singapore is conservative in how they play, but there was no identity. That is the problem with this Singaporean team. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now back to our AFF Championship post-mortem with ST Sports journalists David Lee and Deepan Raj Ganesan. So how do we develop this identity? I think naturalization has been one of the topics, uh, naturalization or the foreign talent scheme, which we, we rely on uh, pretty heavily in the past, maybe with three, four players in the starting lineup. Deep, you, you did a story on this in the fallout of our exit. Uh, can you talk about this? Yeah, so we did send uh, some queries to the Football Association of Singapore and, and we got back a response saying that they will speed up the process of getting foreign-born talent into the Singapore national team. 
so of course currently the only player who is of course uh, foreign born is uh, Song Yong from from the Lion City Sailors. So the FAS will be looking at getting a few more in. So I think Kyoga Nakamura from from Tampines, a uh, Japanese midfielder, could be the next in line for that. And he of course uh, fulfills FIFA's five year residency uh, in 2024. So I, I do think that this is a case of trying to level the playing field because you look at teams like Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, they all have foreign-born players at the moment. We, we are ham- hamstrung by this, of course, right? Because yeah, you know, it's Luke, a reality. Luke, yeah. Luke, Luke 09 has been you know, on the radar for a good 10 years now. You know, He was at Wickham, now he's at Sunderland. He's established himself as a key player for Sunderland uh, and he's never got that call. You know, So I, 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 I can reveal that when Sundram was national team coach, he actually called me you know, to ask about Luke 09 and, and, and I, I think from what I understand, they made inquiries but you know, nothing nothing. Yeah, so out. I think inquiries have been made but I think uh, people need to be clear on this that it is going to be really, really difficult to call these boys up because of the fact that even though, yes, they fulfil FIFA's uh, rules which is of course to have heritage uh, which comes through their grandparents being born in Singapore, Singapore's rules, Singapore's immigration rules don't quite allow it to be such an easy process. So I think we got to put that aside for now and look at players who are playing in the Singapore Premier League because the last thing you want is to call Perry Ng and uh, Luke Onion to come back and play in the Singapore Premier League because then, you know, their quality also comes down. And I think people like Kyoga Nakamura and I also see that, or, or rather I've been hearing that Young Lions will be looking to put in a few foreign players into their squad for the upcoming season. Whether or not that becomes a reality, I'm not quite sure, but they are linked to a few foreigners. So if all these foreigners are playing in the Singapore Premier League and then they become naturalised, I think that's the easy route. Let's see if uh, it happens with Kyoga Nakamura soon. Sure. And, and, and you know, talking about teams that have had success, uh, obviously the team that beat us to get progress into the, the knockout rounds, Malaysia, they have huge success uh, with... Sergio Aguero among them, not that one. But yeah, Dave, you did a story about Malaysia's uh, rise again. Uh, is this a false dawn or a new dawn for Malaysian football? No, I I think for the topic of naturalization, I, I think nobody's reinventing the wheel, right? It, it is a common trend, not just in Southeast Asia, but in world football. I think it's always a plus when you have decent footballers with decent size and a different worldview. The players who are born... For Malaysia, the players who were born and grew up in Europe, South America and Australia, they would have had experience with a more robust and more intense level of football than in this region. Back to Singapore, you know, Clementio, former Augang coach, said, you know, we, we were the pioneers of naturalising players in this region and we won three ASEAN titles with foreign-born players. So why, why shouldn't we try and see if... I, I know Deepa has raised um, the, the restrictions and limitations, but... Why, why can't we try and see if we can find some with Singaporean heritage? Of course, I, I feel there has to be a procedure, whether is it those you naturalise those who come and play in the SPR or try to find those with Singaporean heritage overseas. But there has to be a, a proper procedure to suss out whether these players, they have genuine interest. I think one of the sticking points for Singapore is whether they have genuine interest in contributing to Singapore even after they hang up their boots. Yeah, yeah, which which was an issue with the FTS uh, scheme in the past as well. You know, Dave, you and I have been in local football for more than a decade. We've, we've heard about all these problems and issues uh, and, and questions. Uh, having said that, you know, aside from Malaysia, uh, you guys have obviously, like I said, you know, covered the tournament. Uh, which other teams have caught your eye in the Mitsubishi Electric Cup? Uh, for me, I think Indonesia have been fantastic. Uh, given the fact that, of course, they have continuity right, with Shin Tae-yong in charge, uh, I think they, and, and since we're on the topic of naturalised players, I think their naturalised players have given extra quality to the team. So Mark Klok, for example, uh, has been simply superb in the in the middle of the park for Indonesia. Uh, and just when you think Indonesia already have talented midfielders in the squad, he has, you know, put that quality up even higher. 
Uh, whether or not they go past Vietnam is, of course, a, a question mark. But I would like to see them go all the way and win the Mitsubishi Electric Cup. Dave? Yeah, for me, it's hard to look beyond Vietnam, who still have yet to concede a goal in this tournament. But if Indonesia beat them in the second leg of the semi-final, I feel they have what it takes to, to win their first ASEAN title. And as to what Deepan just said, I, I know that some people, they have an issue with foreign-born players because they feel that they are not Singaporean enough, they are not Malaysian enough, or they take up the place of local-born talents. But I feel, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? You, if you have people of this quality in your league, in, in your team, it just helps to raise the level and hopefully, you know, the local bomb players can eventually rise up to that level as well. So, uh, we are recording this episode on the day of the Vietnam-Indonesia second leg. So, we still don't know who uh, will progress to the final where it will also be either Malaysia or Thailand. But if I were to get you guys to pick, uh, I mean, you guys have pointed out Indonesia. Is that who you think will lift the ME Cup this time around? I, I suspect it's going to be Indonesia-Malaysia final. Uh, sorry, Manu Polking, but I think Indonesia will have just about have the edge to, to win it over Malaysia. Uh, for me, I'm going for Vietnam. But if Indonesia, I, I love new winners in tournaments. So if Indonesia win, then that's great as well. Okay, and, and just to wrap things up, uh, is there any other issues uh, stemming from the you know uh, EFF Championship that, that you guys have noticed? You know, I have not been at the games. You know, Obviously, I just returned from the World Cup. But um, I noticed from the highlights, some of the officiating has been Awful, like for example, Malaysia's you know disallowed goal in the semi-final, their their second goal, they should have won that game two 0 So, um, yeah, it, it was was that something of a concern to you guys or, or any other aspects? I always feel referees do a thankless job, and they should get all the help they need to do their job well. I think in the last edition there were talks of uh, VAR coming to play, but I, I think the the way football is in this region. Uh, and with limited resources, I, I don't think that's realistic given the format that, you know, the tournament is played in every country. So uh, a more realistic solution would be to have VAR in, in the semi-finals onwards because they are the usual suspects and, you know, the infrastructure is more developed in, in these countries. Uh, other than that, I think the AFF should make a stand against artificial pitches on, on which uh, the Lions suffered serious knee injuries, three serious injuries in, in the past month. Yeah, I completely agree. I think when it comes to the facilities that you play at, the pitch really, really counts for a lot. And I think the, it's not just about the fact that the Lions suffered key injuries. I think quality of play, I think it differs from an actual pitch and an artificial pitch and creates a lot of advantages, disadvantages for, for various teams. To level the playing field, uh, there needs to be a better field and that's not going to happen on artificial turf. So a lot of learning points from what was a very sobering uh, edition of the AFF Championship for Singapore. So uh, thanks Dave, thanks Deepan for joining me on this episode. Cheers. Cheers. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.